Let's take our Bibles. We're going to turn to Psalm 45, first of all. So the afternoon sermon topic is the Lord's Prayer, and partic- uh, specifically the line, may your kingdom come. So Psalm 46, or 40, 45, I meant. This is called a wedding song. Here's the title over it, Psalm 45. To the chief musician, set to the lilies, a contemplation of the sons of Korah, a song of love. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty, and in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth and humility and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces by which you have made, which they have made you glad. King's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore the people shall praise you forever and ever. Let's turn now to Revelation chapter 19. Again, this is about Christ and his bride. Let's read the first 10 verses of Revelation 19, page 1422. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down, 
and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to, the, said to me, write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, one of your brethren, who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that's our reading from Revelation 19. Let's turn now to Psalm 48, uh, um, to Revel, uh, Lord's Day 48 of the Heidelberg Catechism. So we turn for a confessional reading, Lord's Day 48. It's in the songbook, somewhere page 561. about the Lord's Prayer and what is the second petition your kingdom come that is so rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you preserve and increase your church destroy the works of the devil every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes wherein you shall be all in all After the sermon, we'll be singing hymn 52. Congregation, loved by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sometimes you go for a walk and you find a viewing platform. Say you're going to overlook some waterfalls. Usually there's a viewing platform there. If there's some swampy marshland... Somebody's built some walkway and you get a bit of a platform and you can overlook a fair bit. A viewing platform. You can see a ways away from you. How do you see the kingdom of God? Is there a viewing platform for that? You're praying, may your kingdom come. Do you know what you're praying for? Have you seen this kingdom? The Word of God is where you find out about the kingdom of God. It's about the only place. It's about the only way to see the kingdom is to see it through the eyes of God who tells us about His kingdom. And to appreciate it, His kingdom is noticed in the church. There's one place you're going to find out about the kingdom. It will be in the church. Even a broken church, a weak, 
failing church. That's, that's the viewing platform of God's kingdom. And we're, we're looking this morning, this afternoon, at God and His love for the church. Jesus Christ loves the church. You notice it in the prayer that He teaches us, pray to the Father, Jesus says, pray, your kingdom come. And there's a lot in there, a lot that we have to leave out just so we can have a bit of a focus. I mean, we, we can leave out the fact that the kingdom come means uh, personally, may your kingdom rule, control, guide me. And may your kingdom come in a global sense like the rule of Satan and darkness should, should uh, come to an end. We're praying, though, just this afternoon, focusing on the prayer for the church of Christ. The church is not all of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not the same as the church, but church is like the embassy or the headquarters of God's kingdom on earth. And as such, it has some structure to it, some leaders, and it has orders, and it has assembled people. The church is the public doors of God's kingdom. For anyone on earth, you want to know what the kingdom is? You want to live in the kingdom of God? Church is the place to be. And this afternoon we hear Jesus say, pray for the church, my bride. I realize there's no exact Bible verse that says pray for the church. Because it's bigger than that. Pray for the kingdom, Jesus says. And you don't need a chapter and verse. If we soak up the scriptures and get a sense of what it says in general, you'll notice God's love for the church. You'll notice Christ's love for the church. Pray for her. That includes at least a significant part of your prayer for the bride. Because Christ's bride is under attack. I mean, she's got her issues. The church. She's far from perfect. If you've lived anywhere near a church for a few years, you know. The church is self-destructive in many ways. We can get a, caught up in lots of little issues that can divide. And then attack from the outside too. The world has very little use for the church. How essential is the church really? Didn't they say that during COVID? And it might seem that Many, what's the church good for in the long run? Can't the government do things that the church is meant to do? Can't we take care of the poor? Can't we be orderly and in control, the government says? So our Lord Jesus Christ is guiding us in this prayer. Though she is far from perfect, I love her. And many people have no idea what this love for the church is, the love for Christ's bride. Many people, especially in my time in Colorado, have given it their last, one last try of going to church, taking part with a visible, instituted church, and they're, say, they're saying, we're done. They're not praying for her anymore. When she needs it most. 
How about you? Are you finished with the church? Are you halfway out the door? So our Lord Jesus says, pray for her. And you can go a bunch of ways with that, what it means to pray for the church. But think of what the church does for us. That's quite narrow because we're called to do things as church members as well. But think of where you find fellowship, where you find Bible teaching, where you find the sacraments. The church is the workplace of the Holy Spirit, 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. She's the pillar and foundation, pillar and bulwark of the truth. So you could pray that. Pray that the church would be good at what she does for her people. The church is a hospital for sinners. So this is prayer. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your church survive. May we as your people survive. And may we be healthy. May we be good. This afternoon, just looking at one angle, we should pray for the church because Christ calls her His bride. That is, that's amazing. That Christ would call the church His bride. Revelation, we read that, 19. But Psalm 45 Maybe you lose it a bit in all the flowery language of Psalm 45, but in the Old Testament, that was preparing us for the church. She is a bride, and she's admired by the king. And some would have thought, maybe this sounds like King Solomon at one point on a wedding day with his bride, but it goes way deeper than that. The message is about an eternal king, and the bride has a beauty She's admired by all. And you know, the Bible has a lot of imagery to describe the church. Let me just give it to you. Like, you've heard shepherd and sheep. Christ is the sheep. You heard not too long ago about the vine and the branches. Or how about the head and the body. You have all these ways of picturing, but what's special about the bride and the groom? Why use that imagery? What's more powerful to say? Christ loves the church. Looking from God's perspective on His viewing platform, you can't imagine Christ without His church. If you see Christ, you see Him with His eyes on His bride. She's beautiful, He says. I love her. Don't you love her? Do you pray for her? I've been to a few weddings and uh, I've officiated quite a few weddings myself. I even remember my own wedding. I don't remember much fussing around about the groom. To make the groom, the man, handsome. Maybe it's just one thing to find a suit with a sleeve long enough. But I know one thing. The bride gets all the attention. And she is the object of affection and pride. She is the beauty. Absolutely adorned. And when you hear Jesus Christ say, pray for the church, you have to notice His love for the church. His love for her. Do you have that love? There's a lot of toxic environments. People bad-mouthing the church. 
Maybe you get comfortable with that. You just spout off and say nasty things about the bride of Christ. You realize it's the bride of Christ that you're speaking of. But notice the scriptures, the Old Testament, even the messed up Old Testament church called Israel is loved by God. And He, as we were singing in Psalm 122, pray for Mount Zion. For, pray for Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So this is the point. Pray for the beauty of Christ's bride. I got an email not too long ago. It's like this week, last week. It goes like this. Someone in church says, I appreciated the message that we hear. I'm super thankful for you. Speaking of the pastor and the spirit at work in you, a few other things. I love coming to church. I love the people in our church. I'm thankful for my Redeemer. God is good and faithful. And one of you wrote this to me. You know how encouraging that is to hear of your love for the bride of Christ. And what, what you have, what you find here, is that you're encouraged to look to your Savior, the Groom. You're praying for the kingdom to come and you realize right here is the kingdom of God. Yeah, people can talk about how messed up the church is. Who says that she's really that beautiful? Well, Psalm 45 has something to say. This wedding psalm. It's about the king, Jesus Christ the king on his wedding day with the bride, the church. And it's amazing how beautiful she is. And you're like, wait. Is this the church that we know of? No church I know is that beautiful. What's beautiful about her? I mean, her complexion? Her personality? Is it her hair? The way she styled her hair? It's her gold. This is interesting. Psalm 45, verse 9. At the king's right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Gold imported a long ways to be on the bride. And verse 13, it goes in further, speaking of this royal, royal daughter. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, the queen. With robes interwoven with gold, in many colored robes she is led to the king. And you, you now get it, right? The beauty of Christ's bride, the, the beauty of the church is a beauty that's been given to her. The gifts that she's putting on, the adornment, the jewelry, the dress, it's all been given by the king. And you know, Ephesians 5 does the same thing where God is saying, I love the church. Why? The Lord Jesus gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And now you see it, right? The beauty of the church is a gift. God's gift to her. And so God delights in having made her this beautiful. She is righteous. He's washed her so she's pure and clean and and she's blameless. We heard that this morning. 
So praying for God's kingdom, specifically for His church, you're saying, Lord, may your church be beautiful. Clothe us in beauty. Deck us with beauty. Adorn us with beauty. And maybe I should break this down because in part, you might default to justification. Okay? Being declared beautiful. Think about Christ's blood shed for you to make you holy and blameless. God sees you as perfect. Christ died, taken away your guilt, takes away all impurity, that the church now is perfect in that sense. Justified. But, but don't stop there. Because that was just getting you started. Think sanctification. Christ is making His church holy. He's making her beautiful in real time. And that's how Revelation 19 goes at it. Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory for the marriage feast of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Oh yeah, now you get the wording that we heard this morning, right? Saints. Good, blameless, holy. And this is lived out in real time. Not just counted, not just imputed to you, but you are becoming this. You are beautiful. The righteous deeds of the saints. So you're praying, Lord, may your kingdom come. I want to be this beautiful bride. We ought to be this beautiful bride living out a clothing, a fine linen. Living out what is pure. Living out good works. That's the other word for righteous deeds. Good works. That's your wedding dress. This is what Christ loves particularly about his bride. She's got a wedding dress that fits her perfectly. And she is now beautiful. Ephesians 2 verse 10, You are His workmanship, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pray for Christ's bride. Pray that we would be beautiful. not only attracting others to church, but that we ourselves would be adorned. Remember how uh, Paul writes to Titus? Adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. You're like, the doctrine is perfect. Yeah, well, adorn it. Adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Fill it out. Show it in your life. And this is God's pleasure. He delights. Christ delights to see His work in you. You are His new creation. Yeah, you're His bride. I just changed metaphors. But you are His bride. He's made beautiful through the Holy Spirit's work in you. So pray for the church. She is Christ's bride. Next time you get to a viewing platform... You can only see a little bit, right? Maybe you see the waterfalls, maybe you see the swamp, the ducks, the birds. And yeah. How are you going to see the kingdom? 
of Christ? Is there a viewing platform for the kingdom? Through the word of God, you know it's the church. You are seeing the kingdom of God right here. And if you're going to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, then pray it while you're looking at one another. Maybe you find it helpful. Flip through church social and go through the membership directory. Pray for the church that you can meet. Love her. You know what Christ thinks of her? He delights in her. She's mine, he says. I love her. I will spend eternity with her. And Christ says, pray for my church. She's beautiful. I've given my life for her so that she would be beautiful. Amen.